you know, we hear verses like that and we're just like, oh, but that's not true because we ask God for stuff all the time and he doesn't give it to us. Well, that's because it's in a heart of selfish gain. It has to still be within God's will to do it. And selfish gain is never in God's will. I mean, there's a verse in James that talks about we're asking, but we're not receiving because we're doing it with the heart of selfish gain. All we want is stuff for ourselves. We don't actually want to advance God's kingdom. We don't actually want to help other people. It is all for ourselves. Hey, faithful listener, grab your cup of coffee and experience the Bible in a way you never have before. P40 Ministries is a podcast that goes through the Bible cover to cover. It's an awesome narrative that focuses your mind and prepares your heart for God to speak. So join your host, Jen, for a biblical podcast that's hilarious, informative, imaginative, and fun. The P40 Ministries Podcast. Listen now as we go through the book of Luke. Happy Thursday, guys. Thanks for tuning into the P40 Ministries podcast. My name is Jen. I am the host here, and I'm just so excited that you guys are here to talk about the Bible with me on this lovely Thursday morning. The weather here has just been absolutely phenomenal. We've had some warm days. Oh, and it's just so good. I'm so excited about it. So thank you, God, for some warm days here in the north where we just got bombarded by snow this year. It's just been nuts how much snow we got. And um, I like snow up until about a certain point. (laughs) And I hit that point probably like a month and a half ago where I'm just like, okay, I'm getting sick of this. But yeah, I really shouldn't complain though, because even though we get a lot of snow here, we don't have a lot of bugs, which is fantastic. I will take snow anytime before I will take bugs. I just, I can't stand bugs. But you know, I want to thank Virginia for tuning in because Virginia is up there with Ohio with downloads. So that's crazy to me because Ohio has never been beaten yet with the amount of downloads and Virginia is getting pretty close. So thank you, Virginia, for tuning into the podcast. I appreciate it. So let me know where you guys live. If you're listening to this podcast, go and contact me, www.p40ministries.com slash contact. Tell me where you live and what the weather is like where you're at. Okay, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 4, 1 through 15 today. The temptation of Jesus. I'm really going to focus in on one particular temptation, though. I think it's the one that people have the hardest time understanding, including myself. In fact, when I read it again this time, even though I've read The Temptation of Jesus two other times, once again, I was like, why is that wrong? Like, why did, why was it wrong for Satan to ask that of Jesus? So yeah, let's read Luke chapter four, verses one through 15. As I always do, I'm gonna be reading out of the W.E.B. version this morning. And if you guys aren't sure why I do that, it's because the W.E.B. is a public domain version of the Bible, but it's more readable 
than the KJV version. So I like the WEB, but definitely feel free to read out of the version you like to read out of. Grab your cup of coffee. Let's go ahead and start. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing in those days. Afterward, when they were completed, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The devil, leading him up onto a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I want. If you therefore will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and you shall serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13 He led him into Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down from here. For it is written, He will put his angels in charge of you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest perhaps you dash your foot against a stone. Psalm 91, 11, and 12. Jesus answering said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 16. When the devil had completed every temptation, he departed from him until another time. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and news about him spread through all the surrounding area. He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So we literally just read the other day on Tuesday that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit in a very unique and public way. And I do believe that he was filled with the Holy Spirit before, but this was like more public. This was really showing, especially John the Baptist, who was about to preach Jesus everywhere, that Jesus had been filled with the Holy Spirit with the form of a dove. So the Spirit descended from heaven, basically. So came down from heaven in the form of a dove and like landed on Jesus. And John the Baptist saw this. And the reason we know that this happened was actually because of John the Baptist himself, because John the Baptist told about that in John, the book of John, which we haven't gotten to yet, but he mentioned that to his disciples. He's like, I wasn't quite sure that Jesus was the Messiah until I saw that. So then at that point, John's followers, a lot of them left him to go follow Jesus. And he was totally okay with that. And we know this story because of John the Baptist literally seeing this after he baptized Jesus. So now Jesus is filled with this Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit leads him into the wilderness, which I find super interesting because even Jesus was not free from going through the wilderness. I think that's really important to remember because I think when we go through times that we would consider a wilderness, we often get mad at God. We're just like, God, why would you do this to us? Why would you make us go through this? But even Jesus wasn't free from going through the wilderness. Jesus had to be tested and tempted the same as you and me. And so sometimes when we go through times of wilderness, which, I mean, I've told you guys my testimony before, but back in 2019, I would definitely consider myself as somebody who went through a wilderness back in 2019. And I had to go through that because it grew me. It grew me spiritually. It grew me in so many ways. And so I needed to go through that. And I would go through it again, honestly, if I had to, 
in order to have experienced the growth that I have today, I would absolutely go through that again. But I think it's important to recognize here that Jesus had to struggle the same way that you and I have to. So even he wasn't free from going through miserable times, going through the wilderness. And so it says that Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. We often think it's kind of like a quick thing, but no, like Jesus was definitely being tempted this entire time. And we don't know how many things Satan tempted Jesus with either. We know at least three because that's what scripture gives us is three things. But it says here in Luke at the very end in verse 13, when the devil had completed every temptation, he departed from him until another time. So it could have been more than this. But the three main ones were probably these three that Luke gives us. And I believe Matthew even mentions the same things. One thing I mentioned in the book of Matthew was, how do we know that this happened? And I say it's because Jesus eventually had to tell one of his disciples that this happened. And it could have been Matthew. It could have been Matthew was the first person that heard this and wrote it down. And in fact, there's like growing evidence that the book of Matthew might have been the first gospel ever written, even before the book of Mark, which was written 20 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. They actually think now that it's possible that Matthew was writing all this down while he was traveling with Jesus. And so I think that's really cool. So Matthew, it could have been the first account straight from Jesus's lips, what had happened in during this time when Jesus was in the wilderness. So yeah, Jesus was here for 40 days and he wasn't eating anything. And that was something I was kind of confused about. But it's interesting that um, I literally just talked about fasting yesterday on the podcast. And I didn't even connect the dots that today I would be talking about fasting where Jesus was fasting. So that was, that's really funny to me how, how things sometimes line up on the podcast. Isn't that weird? Like that, that happens to me a lot, actually, where like <laughs> things in scripture will just line up. And even though I do like New Testament episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, sometimes my episodes on uh, the Old Testament on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays line up with what I'm talking about on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which is so interesting. But I talked about the importance of fasting yesterday. But Jesus is going through this like really crazy fast where he's giving up food Probably not water. Otherwise, he wouldn't have survived, I'd guess. Well, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he would have because he's Jesus. But since he was human, I'm going to say he was probably drinking water. And plus, on top of that, Luke mentions that Jesus was quite hungry after all of this happened. So Jesus went through this fast. And um, maybe it was because he couldn't find any food. Maybe in obedience, he was in the wilderness because that's where uh, the Holy Spirit took him. Or maybe it really was just because he was truly just fasting. But um, I don't know the reason why he didn't eat, but he didn't eat. So now it says that Satan is one of the first temptations Satan gives him that we know of. Satan says, you should just, you know, command these stones on the ground here to become bread. And from my understanding of what this um, wilderness would have looked like, they're there probably was a lot of stone around a lot of limestone and stuff like that. And so he's just like, why don't you just make these, these stones become bread? Like, what's the big deal, Jesus? Like 
Just do it. And Satan's tempting Jesus in this way. And Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So it's really not hard to see a, uh, a pattern here. What was the very first temptation Satan ever gave anybody? It was with food in the Garden of Eden. And now he's doing the same thing here to Jesus. And he's just like, what's the big deal? You know, Jesus, you have the power of God. Just command these limestones here to become bread. And then you won't be hungry like you are anymore. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that. And this is why I want to focus more in on this temptation. This is the one I think people have a harder time understanding, including myself, as to why this was wrong. Like, what's the big deal? Like, Jesus could have commanded those stones to be bread. Like, who cares? I mean, he had to feed himself. Why was it a big deal, you know, for Jesus to feed himself? And that's the way we think, because when we're hungry, we want to eat, right? (laughs) But it was different for Jesus, because think about it this way. This would have been selfish gain. Anytime we ever see Jesus do a miracle, it is always for the benefit of other people. It was always for other people. Jesus never did any selfish miracles. Isn't that interesting? So for Jesus to have done this, it would have been from a heart of selfishness, selfish gain for him to, uh, you know, command those stones to become bread. It would have been using God's power for selfish gain. I think that's really powerful because... How often do we do that now? And, you know, we hear verses like, oh, nothing is impossible if you believe in God or whatever, or whatever the verse is. You know, we hear verses like that and we're just like, oh, but that's not true because we ask God for stuff all the time and he doesn't give it to us. Well, that's because it's in a heart of selfish gain. It has to still be within God's will to do it. And selfish gain is never in God's will, even when it's Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a verse in James that talks about we're asking, but we're not receiving because we're doing it with the heart of selfish gain. All we want is stuff for ourselves. We don't actually want to advance God's kingdom. We don't actually want to help other people. It is all for ourselves. And man, that hits close to home for me. Like that's that hits really close to home for me. I don't know if you guys like the Enneagram or not. I know there's a lot of controversy around it. And I'm not really going to comment on that today, but I'm a type three on the Enneagram, which is the achiever. And one of the things that um, this type on the Enneagram likes to do is promote, promote self, constantly is promoting themselves. And that's me. Oh my gosh. I'm always promoting myself. Like, for example, I went to a concert the other night just a Christian concert, and there was a radio station there. And I went up to that radio station and I asked them, I said, hey, how do you get a podcast on this radio station? (laughs) And yeah, they were nice about it and everything. I don't know what's going to come of that. But, you know, I'm always doing that. I'm always going up to people and trying to promote myself and my products. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in moderation, And in fact, I don't believe that promotion is bad. Don't get me wrong on that. But sometimes I can get it, I can make it really bad to the point where it's extremely egotistical. 
I'm not focusing on God. I'm not focusing on spreading the message. All I care about is the numbers. And I've told you guys about that before. This is something I struggle with. And so sometimes I get mad at God because I'm just like, God, why aren't you making my podcast numbers go up? And then I read verses in James where it's just like selfish ambition is a sin. And I'm just like, wow, you know, like I have to be careful with that. But the reason Jesus did not turn these stones to bread was because it would have been out of selfish gain. Perhaps Jesus knew he had to be obedient by not eating anything. And he would have not only been disobeying, but he would have been using his father's power for something for himself, which would have been selfish ambition. And Jesus, you know, if he's going to say, don't have selfish ambition, obviously Jesus himself cannot have selfish ambition. And that kind of includes the second one here where uh, Satan tempts Jesus. He says, you know, he brings Jesus up to this high mountain, wherever that is, and he shows Jesus all of the kingdoms of the world in just a flash, in just one second. And he's like, Jesus, you can have all this stuff. You know, this has been granted as mine. It's under my authority. And he says, you can have it all right now if you worship me instead of your father. And obviously, that is something Satan wants, isn't it? Is to be worshipped. But Jesus says, no, get behind me, Satan. And he says, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus, two times, selfish ambition does not allow it to, um, to take over. And Jesus was extremely humble, you know, so humble that the only thing he cared about was saving people from their sins, not, you know, having selfish gain, because it actually says in the Bible that Jesus looked forward to the glory that would happen after he died. And that glory would be people being able to be saved from their sins. And also when Jesus comes back, Satan's not going to have any power anymore. And Jesus is going to reign and he is going to have the power over all this stuff anyway. So why should he, you know, bow down and worship Satan when it's going to be all his someday anyway? So Jesus was humble and it teaches us to also be humble and for us to look for the glory that's, uh, you know, not a part of this world. Look forward to the glory that's up in heaven. This is just Jesus teaching us the correct way to live that there's more than the right now. There's more than the world as we know it. And we're supposed to store up our treasures in heaven rather than here on earth, even though that's very hard to do. Hard for me, probably hard for many people. But you know, it says moving forward here that uh, then Satan led him into Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. So we know that Satan has some powers, like some supernatural abilities where he's able to just like uh, go from place to place to place in an instant. And so uh, he goes and sets Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple. So Jesus is sitting up there or standing up there or something. And so Satan is, is like, if you're the son of God, just, you know, throw yourself down here. And it says that he's going to put his angels in charge of you to guard you. And on their hands, they're going to bear you up lest perhaps you dash your foot against the stone. And that's from Psalm 91 that Satan is quoting here. So Satan here is quoting scripture to Jesus. 
and saying like, oh, you know, you want to use scripture. I can use scripture, too, because Jesus responded with scripture to all these other temptations that Satan was giving him. So now Satan does the same thing and responds to Jesus with scripture. So once again, Jesus again responds with another scripture. Do not tempt the Lord your God from Deuteronomy 6, verse 16. And I mean, we already know about times when people tempted or tested God in uh, the Old Testament. It says that when the people, the Israelites, were out of food, well, out of the food they wanted, (laughs) they got really mad at God and tested and tempted God is what it says. And so Jesus is quoting the same thing here. He's like, I don't need to throw myself off to prove that I am God, you know, because I don't need to be testing God. I don't need to be tempting him. And so to me, it kind of sounds like all of these things that Satan is tempting Jesus with is all stuff with selfish motives and selfish gain. So how much more if Satan is going to test Jesus and tempt Jesus with all of this? How much more is he going to tempt you and me with selfish gain? So to me, this is just like a call to action to really refocus what we're doing in our lives and make sure that Satan is not getting in there with these little things of selfish gain. Because I think that's where I fall short a lot is with selfish gain. I struggle with that. I struggle with selfish ambition. And so I know that for me, that is a very, very, very huge temptation that I have to constantly try to avoid. And I'm not always super successful at doing that. But yet Jesus here was successful. He was more powerful than Satan's temptations. And the same power that lives in Jesus lives in in you and me, if we're Christians, if we believe in Jesus, we have that same power. So we have the same power to resist the devil and to flee from him and not allow him to, um, you know, put these little whispers of, oh, hey, you should go do this because that'll help you advance your career. When in actuality, it's going to do nothing but create more of a headache for us. <laughs> I'm starting to learn. But yeah, so this was Luke chapter four, the temptation of Jesus. And, you know, I mean, Satan was just constantly trying to tempt him with that. You're going to move ahead. You're going to gain all this stuff if you just do this, if you just compromise. So I think it's important to make sure that we don't compromise on our beliefs just because we think it's going to get us ahead in life, which unfortunately is where many churches are today and uh, where many people are today where they compromise in order to gain more for themselves. Well, guys, tune in tomorrow for Leviticus chapter 17. And Leviticus chapter 17 talks a lot about rules for foreigners living with the Israelite people. So God cares even about the foreigners, not just about his people, but also about the foreigners. And that's something I think we forget I think that's something we kind of brush over is that even though, yes, the Israelite people were God's chosen people, God still cared so much about the foreigners. He cared so much about uh, the, the other people, the Gentiles. Hence why Gentiles like you and me, if you're a Gentile, are able to have salvation as well. It's because God cares very deeply about every human being 
on the earth. So yeah, tune in tomorrow for Leviticus chapter 17, where we're going to be talking about foreigners. But until then, happy listening and God bless. Bye.